Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. The Bears are a really good defense, and uh, our uh, chances of being successful and having a, a strong day against them from an offensive perspective is Certainly, you know, a large part of that will be how we run the football. And um, if we can run it effectively, consistently throughout the game, certainly gives us a much better chance to have a strong day on offense. And you know what? If the Vikings don't have a strong day on offense, that's okay because uh, we've got Corona Hard Seltzer ready to rock regardless on Monday night yeah. next week, Declan. It might be it might be a low-scoring game, but it will be a high-scoring Corona Hard Seltzer count throughout the uh, Monday Night Football broadcast. That is my right. plan. Because Corona Hard Seltzer is the only hard seltzer made with Pure Beach vibes. With a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime, Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. I know a lot of guys look themselves in the mirror and be like, you know, I could play a lot better. I could do a lot of things, you know, better on the field to help us win. And I was surely one of those guys just looking myself squarely in the mirror and telling myself, you know, you could do a lot better on the field, like a lot of stuff, you know, without the football, with the football, and just helping this team win. And I think you see a lot of guys just rising up to the occasion, no matter their age, no nothing. You see guys rising up. That was Dalvin Cook. Now, I couldn't tell. He was saying, I think he was referring to before the two-game winning streak, saying... I looked at myself in the mirror and said, I can be doing some things better. Because if he's still looking in the mirror and saying, I think I can do some things better, I would say, dude, you're fine. He could, he <laughs> could play defense. He's not playing defense right now. I guess that's like, true. He could punt. He's not punting. Maybe he, maybe he could kick field goals if Dan Bailey uh, he's sort of disappointed. of eight. The more I think about it, with that talent, he's not doing enough. He's he right. really does need to learn how to play uh, a slot more. cornerback. This is Purple Daily. I'm Phil Mackey. That's Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing as always. And you can find us every single day during the Viking season in podcast form on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Tell your friends. And you can find us on youtube.com slash purple daily podcast, where we appreciate it when you click that subscribe button. And today, this is a Judd Zolgad brainchild here. So let's, uh, let's come up with some questions and awards here at the midpoint of the season for the Vikings. So I have come up with, with 10 Vikings midseason questions for you guys. Some are midseason awards. Some are just questions I'm curious about. Let's fire up some music and let's go through 
10 Vikings midseason questions. All right. Starting with a game that we like to play from time to time. Who would you fire, extend, and go year to year on right now? Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins. So fire, extend, year to year. I'll give you guys a couple seconds to collect your oh, thoughts here. I feel, I feel like we're going to be in a unanimous decision with this. I feel like, I think all three. Well, I don't categories. Know, extending year to year, I don't Maybe, know. That, I, I, guess, don't, I, I, I don't know that we're going to be <laughs> unanimous on that I one. Um, I don't know. Rick, right. what are you laughing at, Rick? Yeah, don't don't laugh, Rick, because you might be in trouble. Um, let's start with to me the, the one that I think all three of us are going sure. to agree completely on, and that's fire. It's going to be Kirk Cousins. Yeah, like you get rid of the contract. He's not that good. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's that to me is one that all three of us probably are going to agree on immediately. Yep, I'm just good on that. And yeah. you know what? <laughs> For all the people saying, "Well, Rick Spielman's worse at his job than Kirk Cousins," I don't care. Uh, that's not true, but I don't care. Right, and Rick Spielman actually can find guys to play. Yep. His mm-hmm. quarterback deficiencies cost him a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Year to year for me is Spielman. Yeah, I agree. And I'm extending Zimmer, and here's why. If push comes to shove, I think he can win me games individually. Like, do I think that he can win a championship? I don't know. But, I mean, he has proven, right, in these last two games, his defense is not that good, mm-hmm. or just flat out not good, um, but he's finding schemes and ways. I, I go back to the Saints playoff game. The Vikings probably shouldn't win that game, but defensively he comes up with this really, for lack of a better term, genius game plan. Mm-hmm. So fire Cousins, year-to-year Rick, in part because I don't trust him to find a QB, and that's probably the most important thing that Rick should be able to do, and it's just not, uh, for various reasons, worked out so far. And then my extension goes to Mike Zimmer. I think Mike Zimmer is actually proving this season what a good coach he is. Like, is he Bill Belichick? No. Is he Pete Carroll at his best? Not necessarily. But we might not even really know how great of a coach Mike Zimmer is until he gets the quarterback that some of those other guys have had. You know, when we think about the best coaches in the NFL, like, look what Mike Tomlin does. Well, yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin has Ben Roethlisberger, just a steady Hall of Fame presence for 15 years. And Bill Belichick had Tom Brady and Russell Wilson over in Seattle. And so Mike Zimmer has a well above 500 record going into this season with guys like Sam Bradford, who was, you know, it's fine, like whatever, like couldn't really couldn't outrun a tree stump, but and got hurt all the time. And he had Teddy Bridgewater as a limited rookie. And now Kirk Cousins, imagine giving Mike Zimmer an elite quarterback, a top five quarterback to go along with the defensive prowess. And then when the team looks like, oh, they finally hit that point in a in a coach's arc where um, he's going to get fired, right? Like almost every time when you start the way the Vikings started, that coach gets fired. And this team has fought for Mike Zimmer. So uh, I'm with Judd. I'm firing Kirk Cousins. I'm going year to year with a good general manager in Rick Spielman who does have some flaws, but he's a good general manager. And I'm extending the guy who has shown that this team does not quit on him. So, do you agree or disagree? I actually disagree with both of you. I have uh, I'm extending Spielman. I'm year to year with Mike Zimmer. And, and you know what? It's interchangeable. I probably should. I probably did short sell the fact that this wouldn't be a unanimous decision. I just think that Rick Spielman finding talent throughout the draft has been like there. There's plenty of evidence of that. And I just don't know. Like, and I really like Mike Zimmer. I've said to you guys that I think he is the best Vikings coach of my lifetime. I put him ahead of Denny Green. I really do. Uh, maybe that's because I've been exposed to him more. But 
I just don't know if Zimmer's philosophy can last in five more years. And I, But I do know that Rick Spielman, if I had to guess who would be more successful in the next five years at finding talent in the draft versus being a Super Bowl team, I think you have a better odds that Rick Spielman will find good draft picks than the Vikings will win a Super Bowl under Mike Zimmer. So that's why I would go that way. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Tell me, you guys. Come on. Football! Question number two here. Ten Vikings midseason questions. The game so far this season that surprised you the most and why? Uh, the game that surprised me the most um, easily is the Falcons' loss because it was so bad. And, I mean, I, I know that the Falcons got a, a bump from having fired Dan Quinn as their coach and having a new coach for that game, and I understand all that. But the Vikings have never been that bad. Like, they lost close games to Seattle. Okay, Seattle. They lost a close game to the, the Titans, who lost to the Colts last night. But the Titans aren't a terrible team. In fact, I think that they're overall a pretty good team. And that was a close loss, and it hurt. But I think that you expect the type of losses that we saw, like to the Titans, to the Colts, to Seattle, for young teams that are developing. The Falcons game was, and Phil, I think you might be right in retrospect, the Falcons game to me was Kirk throws that first pick, and then ultimately... (laughs) Now, in retrospect, I think your call is correct. They sort of just quit on Kirk. Like, yeah, they, they just sort of said, okay, we're done here. It's a coworker that you're like, oh, my God, yeah. dude, what are um, you doing? So I was I was not shocked that they lost. I was absolutely shocked in how it looked. Dex? Me, it's a Seahawks game because I, I think we all went into that thing and they were just going to get absolutely waxed in that game. They jump out to it. They, they, they install an amazing game plan. They're up 13 nothing at halftime. And then, obviously, the, the the biggest kicker was the decision on fourth down, or I should say not converting the fourth down. If you win that game, I think we are looking at a completely different Vikings season right now. Like, like we're going to the Bears game saying, okay, if they win this game, then it's for real. Then they can go on a run. And instead, if they had that win in their pocket right now against a team like Seattle, I think the trajectory and how we look at the Vikings is completely different. So I, I would say <laughs> it just, that result surprised me so much because they almost won, and it would have literally changed the course of how we're looking yeah. at this game. So to me, it's a tie of the most surprising game, the way that they came out against the Packers and just absolutely mauled them with the running game. Uh, and that was a Packers team going into that game that everyone kind of thought Super Bowl contender. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Vikings come along mm-hmm. and show, oh, you can actually just run it down their throats. But I'm going to go with uh, what Declan said. That game at Seattle, you know, going into that game, you're thinking, well, this is going to be a massacre like it almost always is. Mm-hmm. And they had a lead. And they were ready. If they convert on a fourth down and one, the game is over. Like, if they just lean forward a yard, the game is over. And uh, and instead, it took a 94-yard drive by Russell Wilson to go down and uh, and to work his magic. But it's the it's the game that kind of had you thinking. And then, of course, they lay an egg against the Falcons. But it's the game that kind of had you thinking, all right, well, this team's record is terrible. But they did lose a really close game to Tennessee, who's really good. And yep. now they almost beat Seattle. And now with the context of the Green Bay and Detroit games, you kind of do look back and think, man, like if you either don't have the clunker against Atlanta or you squeak out one of those two close games or, heaven forbid, you win multiple of these games, yep. what could be uh, what could be ahead on this path for the Vikings? So if they still have a chance to make the playoffs. So the one thing I think is important, though, about this discussion is I really believe the six quarters before the bye week launched the Vikings to their two consecutive wins. Because starting with Kirk's third quarter meltdown against the Seahawks, 
starting with that meltdown and then extending to the Falcons game, which was a debacle, I think those were, were six quarters of film that during the bye week, Mike could say, we are taking the car keys out of his hands for good. Yeah. I really do. If if he doesn't if he doesn't melt down or if, if they get Dex the first down, okay, and they win that, that game, I think the Falcons game is different. I don't know how much, but I don't think it's a lopsided loss. Um, I really think that those six quarters of football helped define during the bye week that they were going to change how they ran things, especially offensively, to the way that Mike wants and not the way that makes sense for a quarterback who's paid as much as Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Your offensive MVP, okay. not named Dalvin Cook. Oh, wow. Man, I didn't see this coming. Why would I ask who your offensive MVP is? I didn't see is? this coming because I was going to laud the the potential National Football League non-quarterback MVP <laughs> of the first half. We did that on the uh, previous episode of Purple Daily, so right. check, that out, check that one out. Is Dalvin Cook an actual MVP candidate? All right, I am going to give this to a young man who has been underutilized, but when he has been, he's been brilliant, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. I mean, look at, at his Big games, and I know that they have come in defeats, but we are talking about a guy who is, to me, a breakout star, um, which is a great sign. And if and when you get the quarterback who can actually utilize those skills consistently in, let's say, victories, it's a big deal. So if I have to pick an offensive MVP that's not named Dalvin Cook, I'm going with the rookie, Justin Jefferson, who has turned out to be a marvelous traffic. Yeah, I feel like it has to be Double J if you're not going to talk about Dalvin Cook, just because uh, Jeff yeah, Jarrett. a little Jeff Jarrett action there for you. Um, and yeah, Adam Thielen's having a nice year, but it's not like MVP worthy. I don't know. I don't, I don't get the vibe of it, at least. I don't get the vibe. The numbers suggest you could make that case, but I don't get the vibe. And with Jefferson, we didn't think it would be an immediate flame impact just like this. And yeah, there's still some frustrating parts, not about himself, but how he's being deployed in a game plan. He's stepped in and has filled the role of Stefan Diggs from day one. We thought maybe all right, a year, maybe a year down the road, he'll he'll be in Stefan Diggs' shoes, maybe a year or two. And no, in in six, eight games, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. So he'd be my MVP if it's not Delvin. Cook. I just I will just say ditto. It's Justin Jefferson. You can make a, Adam Thielen leads the team in receptions, but he's only three up on Jefferson. Jefferson has like two hundred yards on Thielen. And I think I test will show you that Jefferson's the better wide receiver, just like the more explosive, dynamic wide receiver and that's not because like Adam Thielen's a white guy I'm not doing that thing because Adam Thielen's also explosive but Justin Jefferson's on a different level and I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL all right midseason question number four who's your defensive MVP through eight games okay I think that this one is actually pretty easy for me to answer I am going with Eric Hendricks he is doing like he's good he's good in ordinary successful years He's on a defense that is very suspect and at times shoddy, and he's making more plays now, which he should do, but I don't think it's as simple as saying, go make this play now and that play. Um, So what he has shown me, especially of late, I think starting largely with the Packer game, where where he, he was showing up all of the time, Eric Hendricks is my defensive MVP. Yeah, it has to be Eric Kendricks. The guy is absolutely a freak, and I, 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 there's players that have improved on this team. There's going to be rookies that you knew that were going to be slow, gradual burns, and Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith were your two locksteps after you lost to Neil Hunter. You knew that those two dudes are going to be able to step in and, and be intelligent football players and try to fill the void and make it easier for the rookies, but Eric Kendricks, I think, has really just taken even a larger step. We knew Anthony Barr, you know, he's a special player, and there's this glass ceiling he still hasn't consistently broke through, 
But Eric Kendricks has just been solid, and every year it seems he gets a little bit better and a little bit better. And similar to Harrison Smith, I still I still think both of them are criminally underrated around the league. So I, I'll stay all with Judd. I say it's Eric. Kendricks. Yeah, I'm not going to die on this hill, but because of the inexperience of the cornerbacks, I'm actually going to say Harrison Smith because I mm-hmm. think not only is he still as great as he's always been at safety. I think he's also an assistant coach on the field. Might be right. And yeah. he's sitting back there playing center field and and he's it's 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 probably a lot easier if you're Harrison Smith to play that position when you've got in your prime Xavier Rhodes over here and you just like you've got Trey Waynes who's competent, you know, in his prime. And now it's like, all right, I got a bunch of rookies and dudes we've just like signed off the waiver wire. So I have to make sure that they're not screwing up and then I have to sort of do my Harrison Smith thing. So just the extra added pressure of being the last line of defense, pun intended. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Harrison. Let's Smith. see what you did there. Yep. All right. Some of these we can sort of collaborate on the answers to. But uh, midseason question number five: How many future Ring of Honor players, Vikings Ring of Honor players, are on the current roster right now? And and by current roster, I also mean Daniel Hunter. Deser- okay. Deserving or guys who, who will politic after their careers are done to be put in? Wow. Like definitive. That sounds personal. Yeah, I just think there might be some guys who are like, "Hey, is this the year? No. Okay, next year then. Who's going to politic? I don't want to talk about tell it. us more. I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, I, I think, think I know who's in. <laughs> I think Thielen's in. I don't think it's hard to figure out who I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, and he's a good guy. About. I'm not trying to say he's not. He just strikes me as the type of guy who would call the Vikings at least once a year to ask if he's. in. Are yet. you saying that maybe Irv Smith should get some of his snaps? Yes. Okay. I mean, I don't want to turn this personal, but I just—he strikes me as the type of guy who's going to be like, he's is not this a the Ring year? of Honor player. He's a no, good I know. Vikings player. What did I just say? He's Brian Robinson. What did I just like, say? He's—he's yeah. he's the type of. I said, do you want guys I think deserve to be in, or who are going to call the politic to get in? That was my point because I agree with what you're saying. Thielen is in for sure. Okay. I think he's in Harrison for sure. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith. Dalvin Cook, I think, is going to be in. Peterson's oh. in. Del- I think Cook's tracking I agree. to be in there. He's tracking, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, if his knee blows or, or uh, something in the next couple games, then he won't be. Daniil? Um, yeah, Daniil. Yeah, he's in. tracking to be in for sure. Okay. Eric Kendricks is right now kind of on that Chad Greenway level. I like this. But I think Eric Kendricks is better than Chad Greenway. Oh, yes. So I think Eric I don't Kendricks think that's is a, I don't think that's a debate. Yeah, I think you're... Yes. Uh, so Kendricks, Hunter, Thielen, Cook. Another dark horse that isn't there yet, but like if he keeps playing this way for seven more years, Brian O'Neill is a really good right tackle. Okay. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, he's on the watch list. He's yeah. on the watch list. You're sure. right. It would take a long career, but yes, that's probably mm-hmm. true. Um, Secondary-wise... Harrison Smith, you said that's it's just that's correct right now. Unless you think Jeff Gladney is about Ken, to Kendricks from up. the linebackers, Bars not Hunter, but no no current guys who are playing on the defensive line for sure. Mm-hmm. Offensive line probably not O'Neill, maybe, but that's with a long career. You're not going Pat Elfline. Um, no, I'm not going Pat Elfline. Tight ends, I would say no, despite the fact what I said before. What about Drew Samia? Um, Drew, nasty. If you were to pick an all-time Vikings ineptitude list, Drew Sabia might make that list. So I think we have Spurgeon Wynn makes the list. Drew Sabia might might make the list. I think we have five. So Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Cook, Daniil Hunter, and Eric Kendricks. Slam dunks. Right uh, slam dunks are Thielen and Harrison Smith to me. For sure. I like mean, slam dunks. Harrison like they're Smith. Well, Daniil Hunter too, though. I mean, Daniil Hunt. I mean, unless he never plays again with a neck Harrison injury. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith is currently, I think, the only oh, one. Oh, Justin Jefferson. Oh yeah, that's true too. Uh, 
Harrison Smith is only the guy, the only guy that I can think of on the current roster who right now tracks probably for Canton as well, right? Daniil Hunter does too. Well, he does track there, but I mean, he still has to come back and. I mean, Harrison Smith be effective is in the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm saying. If he retires tomorrow, like, I think if Smith steps away within the next two years, yeah. which he won't, he goes in, right? Yep. Hunter so, Hunter has to continue to play at the pace that he was before he got hurt. Yep, that's accurate. All right, so uh, so that think about fun. that. So that good this question. roster good has question. a lot of guys that are. Thank you. Thank good you. Question. See what I did there? All right, question number six here. Have we, sort of a spinoff, have we already seen the best of Daniil Hunter's career? What does your guy's gut tell you? I fear neck, neck surgery. I fear we have, guys, because it's a neck. Like, if this was a knee or something, I'd be like, oh, no, you know, they, you know, they did the surgery. It's going to take some work, but he'll ultimately be fine. But when we're talking about a neck, I hesitate to just say, oh, he's fine. Um, he's going to have to pass a lot of tests to play again, which I think he will. But, guys, he was dominant. And I cannot guarantee you that a guy coming back from a neck procedure is going to be dominant, certainly not quickly. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, if um, you put my feet to the fire right now, I think the answer to your can, question is yes. Can we just get the guy one of those Brian Cox back of the neck boards that shoots straight <laughs> neck, up over oh, yeah. your helmet? Necks are so. I mean, necks are awful. It's not. If it was a knee injury, I would be now. Yeah. The, obviously, like a neck injury makes maybe you're hesitant. Maybe you're, maybe a doctor says like, dude, you got to sit out longer. Right. If it was something that cut off his speed or cut off now, could it cut off his strength? Yes. That could be something that. And if he, can he hits, no longer forklift an offensive lineman off, you know. And if he gets hit in the head again, now it compresses the vertebrae in his neck. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of fallout concerns here that I don't think that at this point we can dismiss. But if he does come back from surgery and he comes back, the good news is he's still in his physical prime for the most part, assuming the neck injury doesn't like chip that away, and he's getting to the age where you get the the experience and and your physical prime sort of merge, and it's the age where guys really start to put up ridiculous pass rush numbers. I hope you're right. So, uh, what do you think, Dex? I know I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. This guy's still 25 years old. I mean, you got to remember that. This, or he just turned 26. Excuse me. But he's he's only 26. He's only had three years of double digit sacks. I truly think that there is still way more to his game, and this is consistent. Mm-hmm. Remember too. Peyton Manning had a diffused neck vertebrae and went out to have three of the best seasons of his life at 38, 39, 40. Different positions. Ball well aware of that. Well, well aware of that. But, no, but Judd, but even in those first Dead three ducks. years in Denver, he, he was the MVP twice. He was unbelievable. He was just as good as Indianapolis. And he was 39, 40. But he you was don't protected, think a 26 Declan. years old can't figure it out and still be like one of the best defensive ends in the league? I don't think that's the case, though. I think the case is it's a position where head-to-head contact happens a ton. And your neck gets compressed. Um, I just look. I think that this guy is going to come back and try really hard. And I, I think that he's got all the characteristics of a potential Hall of Fame player. All of that being said, Phil's question is: Do we think? And I can't sit here in good conscience and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's fine." If it was a knee or a foot, I'd be like, "No problem at all." Sure. Yeah. All right. Question number eight, making our way through the ten midseason questions. Offensive line. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you look at the offensive line as constructed right now going into this Bears game and you see five Drew Samias. That's a 1. <laughs> oh five five roving Drew Samias, all right? And a 10 being 
like the 1998 Vikings offensive line where you had uh, you had Jeff Christie, you had David Dixon, you had like just awesome guys up and down, right? You had Hall of Famer uh, Randall McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what number grade would you give the Vikings offensive line, 1 to 10 scale right now, like your comfort level with it going into this Bears game? Well, it depends on if they're going to continue to run the ball as much as they have, which I would think that they're going to do, or if they're going to pass, because I don't trust them completely uh, to protect Kirk, and I don't trust Kirk. Uh, I would give them what I think is a very fair grade right now of comfort level four. We should have done this and held them all up, because I would have held a four up, too. We should have done it's it on about three. A four. It's my bad. I, I, produced the, I produced the question wrong. I'll be optimi- I'll say Damn it. I'll say six. Okay. Wow. I'm going to say six, um, and I anything above that would be a very hot take. I, I think that... Yeah, ten. I think uh, with the way they've been able to come up with a good run-blocking scheme, and like when you really watch a lot of these losses and the situations, do we really look at back on it and be like, man, if just the offensive line did this, and look, there's a collection of people who think like that. But us three even, I don't think we look at a bunch of these five losses and be like, man, if the offensive line was this, they'd be here. It's a chunk of the pie for sure. It's a chunk of the discussion. But I don't look at the offensive line as the deficiency of the team. Yeah, the best. I mean, Pe- Samia, Samia in Seattle was yeah, that uh, was a problem. That, that was an issue. That played a role in why you didn't win that game. Yeah. There okay. are, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, the Vikings' run blocking is is just it's it's a tick below league average. I mean, and I think it's been way better than that since they put Ezra Cleveland at right guard. Not because he's been a Hall of Famer, but because he's just average. <laughs> I mean, that's what they've needed. At that position, pass blocking overall this season has been an issue. Yep. But you know, I think it your your offensive line is made to look worse when you don't have the right mobile quarterback too. So that's something to factor in. Um, I, I gave it a four. It's probably more like a five. It's that's fair. It, when you look and see, you know, Riley Reef has been a. This is, might be one of his best seasons ever at left tackle or right tackle because he played with some right tackle with Detroit, I think, a few years ago. Um, Brian O'Neill is great at right tackle, and Garrett Bradbury has become good at center, especially as a run blocker. Yep. And so you're you're not nearly as in flux as you were at the beginning of the season. The problem is you lose Riley Reef. So, you know, I mean, there's almost no way, unless they restructure or something, he's gone next year. And Cleveland right? moves to left tackle. So Cleveland moves to left tackle, which opens up another gigantic question mark, because he's never done that in the NFL before. Address and your- it opens back up guard question marks. Address so. your guards. You have to. What? Hey, what, where does uh, Dozier rank at left guard right now in, in the PFF rankings? Do you have that right in front of you, Phil? Give me, uh, give me a second Because I'm curious. I don't think he's been, he's, he has not been a dumpster fire. I also think, He's not great, and I also think someone like Garrett Bradbury, at least improving, is he Pro Bowl level or All Pro level yet? No, but him stepping up from last year, I think that that says something about the line mm-hmm. as well. I think the the devotion that this team has shown to the run game in the past two games changes how we think about a lot of things, which does come back to. But who who don't you have to concern yourself with? Then it is your quarterback. Oof! All right, 80, not good. Huh? Eighty five, eighty five <laughs> qualified guards. Well, you know who eighty five is, and qualified means they've played at least one quarter of the snaps. Okay, eighty fifth is Drew Samia. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. On a one to one hundred scale, it's like a real life Madden rating for PFF. He's a thirty three point three. Okay. Oof. Uh, it's not much better for Dakota Dozier. I mean, actually, I take that back. So Dakota Dozier is seventy first, which is really bad. But he's a lot better than Drew Samia. Different positions, but where's um, Cleveland then? Ezra Cleveland has not played enough to qualify, but okay. Ezra Cleveland. So Dakota Dozier is a fifty-three. I think Cleveland's like a fifty-eight or something. Okay, so he's a little closer and just more competent. So a four is fair, then. But you're, but we're we're not really comparing 
Cleveland to Dozier. We're comparing Cleveland to Samia right. and Cleveland to Elfline. Right. And he's better than both those guys. I think, I think right a four here. is very fair right now. All right. I believe we're on uh, question number uh, question number eight here. You guys get three moves, and it can be like it can be anything. It can be personnel. It can be it can be Mike Zimmer gone or whatever. You get three moves to turn the Vikings into Super Bowl contenders starting now. Like, but like for next year, twenty twenty one. Realistic moves. Okay, right. don't go. You can't like trade Kirk for a first round pick. Okay, can I can I trade Kirk for a seventh round pick? Yes. Oh, then I start with Kirk. Give me three moves that you would make if you could if you could wave a magic wand over the Vikings. Uh, move one is I, I trade Kirk, and if if I can get a uh, carton of milk, that's fine. I don't care what I get back, but I want that salary off my books. Mm-hmm. Move two is uh, is if I'm going to keep Zim around, I actually probably uh, in the freed up cap space. I get a veteran stable. It doesn't have to be Pro Bowl star player, but I get a veteran stable cornerback. Yeah. I, that this this secondary, like the fact that they went in with these kids, I just don't get. I get I get a kid or two. I totally get that, but three of them, come on. Uh, so I get stability at cornerback, and then move three. And this is not going to be a uh, sexy move, but ultimately effective is on the offensive line, I get a really good guard. I get at least one good good guard. Now Cleveland can kick out to left tackle if Reef is gone, which is fine. I mean, Reef is a nice player, but I drafted a guy in the second round not to play guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my three moves are I trade Cousins for a can of corn. Uh, I get a veteran corner to stabilize the secondary, and I get a really good upper echelon guard who can play probably probably left guard uh, to play by Cleveland at left tackle. Back to Purple Daily in just a moment after a quick tip of the cap to Federated Mutual Insurance Company here. Well, unfortunately, the pandemic is getting worse. Uh, Federated is doing their part. Uh, they've been supporting local health care facilities here in the state of Minnesota's and healthcare workers. They donated 18,000 N95 respirator masks to Owatonna Hospital, several outdoor blue lights for the Owatonna Clinic building, um, Federated Insurance employees are donating their time, talent, and financial resources to help our communities during this pandemic year. You can visit federatedinsurance.com to find out all the great things that this company is doing both um, for the community and also for fellow business owners out there in the Twin Cities. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated Insurance, it's always our business to protect yours. <laughs> Obviously, I, that's literally almost exact same three things I wrote down immediately that judges listed. But I'll, I'm gonna like just erase Jettison Kirk Cousins because again, I feel like all of us are gonna do just we want to do that. Yeah, we, we can even like take that out. Yeah, that we would assume we're we're all gonna try and trade right. Kirk for a seventh round pick. Um, two of the three things that remain the same. Yes, I signed like the best cornerback available in free agency, not just like an average guy. No, I signed whoever the best cornerback is. I'm throwing a lot of money at, and I get him because I think it'll be he'll help the secondary a ton. If that means saying goodbye to Ant Harris, you say goodbye to Ant Harris. That's totally fine. But you find the best cornerback available in free agency. You throw a lot of dough at him. Make it happen. Zim's happy. It's a win-win. I also find a competent guard. I don't need to go find the best guard. I find a competent, league-average offensive guard that's not going to break the bank. Just a 7 to $8 million, what you're spending on. You know, a guy like Riley Reef after his restructure, and then you find him. And the third move I make, I draft another wide receiver high in the draft. 
another dynamic changing so wide receiver. So your first round, your yeah, first round, first pick. or, or uh, trade back into the first or early second or something. F- figure out a way to get a receiver within like the top forty picks of the draft because obviously Adam Thielen's getting a little up there in age. But the Darth of receivers, wow. you, you remember how much I was upset about a guy named Chad Beebe on Monday, okay? I'm sick of the Chad Beebe's of the world happening. Find another dynamic receiver, and then you got guys like Jefferson and whomever that is in the next draft, and you're set, dude. I, I will say, I do. some people are going to scoff at like, dude, you don't need another wide receiver. I love the idea of just having three almost unguardable wide receivers, and it makes your quarterback, whoever it is, awesome. Unless you don't trust him. No, I mean, like if, won't you, throw. if you have three great wide receivers, then like, they're still not going to trust him. You would trust him more. <laughs> well, I'm not going to fight you because Kirk's gone. So, like, yeah. So, um, here's the, the three moves I would make. I would draft a quarterback in the first round. Okay. Just yep. period. Like, that's what you need to find for the next 10 years of your franchise. None of this other stuff matters if you don't. Love it. So, I'm drafting a quarterback in the first round. My free agent signings are going to be predicated on clearing some room. Like, I'm assuming that some of these moves have already been made. Like, Riley Reef has gone to clear room, and Anthony Barr might get cut to clear room, and Rudolph, et cetera. So with whatever room I have, I'm going for the best right guard, and I'm going for a pass rusher of some kind. I'm probably even drafting a pass rusher in the third round and signing a pass rusher. Um, I think cornerback is a lot less of a problem than you guys do. I think Mike Zimmer is showing Jeff Gladney is taking major steps midseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Dantzler has shown some great flashes. So I'm I'm actually okay with Gladney and Dantzler going into next season, especially if Harrison Smith is still on the roster behind them. And I think... With Daniil Hunter's health in question and the rest of your defensive line sort of full of backups, you need another pass rusher. So those are the moves that I am making. Okay. Um, Question number nine for you guys. What position do you think if the draft, if the season ended right now and they missed the playoffs, if the draft took place, what position would the Vikings take in the first round? Not what they should take. Right. I just told you I would take a quarterback. What do you think they would think to take in the first round? If they end the season on a positive note, I think the position that that they will address, I think you might have hit it. I think it might be defensive end. I think that they might actually do. They they have to to be concerned internally that if if and when Hunter does come back, which I think he will, that he's not going to be the same player. They traded Ngakwe, so the right end right now is wide open. Uh, Zim is going to politic for that spot. I do not think that they will take an old lineman in the first round. So I'm going to guess that one of your solutions, Phil, is right, but they're going to address it defensive end in the opening round. Dex? I will say cornerback. I I want right if that the happens. quarterback. I want the QB, but I think this team's going to take another corner. We'll I wouldn't fire be everybody After developing these guys, though? You think so? Yeah, I really do. Interesting. I feel like if they draft a cornerback, it's, a, it's, it's like... It's just such a, like, you don't know what you're doing as a franchise move at that point. Like, you guys have devoted... Mike Hughes is coming back. Hopefully. Presumably. Hopefully. Yeah. Jeff Gladney was, like, yeah. was a high pick. Like, Dantzler was you, a high you got, pick. You got your guys. Just I agree go get a quarterback. Uh, I, I honestly think they take a quarterback. I think they know. I think they, they've literally drawn up the game manager blueprint for these last two games. I think they know that Kirk's not the guy, and they're going to do everything they can to just move forward. And that, right. and that brings us to question number 10, 10 Vikings midseason questions. Would you rather see the Vikings win or lose on Monday night against the Bears? Where are you really at here when it comes to your what you want, what path you want the Vikings to go down here the rest of the season? All I've, right. Well, again, the hypothesis or the, the mission statement here is win a Super Bowl. Right. Long term, whatever. Right. Maybe not this year. Right. Um, 
because the league stinks and because the ship has basically sailed on, on a chance of you actually, through the natural progression of losing games, are not going to have a top, top pick. Like, your pick could still be decent, but it's not going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer to see them win now just because it creates more intrigue. And in some ways, it creates outrage from those who accepted the fate of this team through six games. And now it's changed a bit. Um I think the team, from the standpoint of a person who talks and writes about this team, I think wins now become more intriguing as far as storylines. And look, the playoffs, if they win against the Bears, the playoffs are a definite uh, possibility that we can talk about. So I have now shifted from a selfish, self-centered, very 2020 American citizen standpoint to it being about me. I want them to win. Yeah, I want I want them to win this game. Also, because it just never happens at Soldier Field. Like two wins, I think, in the last 16, 15 years in Chicago, for God's sakes. So I want them to win. I want I want them to win, and it'll, yeah, it'll set up a run for the Vikings. And uh, and I still am under the belief that you can, even though I want them to draft a quarterback, there it, it, there's still a plan to make that happen if you're still in the. 15 to 20 range, which is what they're trending to be in. So I want them to win. I also am rooting for wins at this point <laughs> because the ship has sailed on the tank for Trevor, fail for fields. They do have a clear path. And you know what? At this point, like whether you're drafting sixth or 20th, you're, you know, you can still jockey for position and make trades to get the quarterback you need to, the BYU kid who we love to talk about. BYU kid. So I say, I'm, BYU. I'm on the Judd plan of like, you know what? If you were going to beat the Packers, then you better damn well go at this point. Yep. And, and they have so far. So those are 10 Vikings midseason questions for you guys going into the second half of the season. This has been Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, Declan producing, and we will see you guys tomorrow. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.